This episode of Oops the Podcast is brought to you by Roman Swipes. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Roman Swipes are clinically proven to make you last way longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, fast acting, but they do not require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Swipes are amazing. They will not transfer to your partner so you can last longer without worrying. Because why should we worry? They're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. When you go to GetRoman.com Francis, you can get your first month of swipes for just five bucks. When you choose a monthly plan, if you use the link GetRoman.com Francis, you can get your first month for just $5. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hello, everybody. It's Oops the Podcast again. I'm your host, Francis, along with my co-host, Julio Gallarati. Julio, welcome. Francis, hello. I want to let you know that my mother says hello. Does she? And she chuckled when she said it because she knew that she hadn't met you. It was very sweet. She was like, tell Francis I said hello. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would like to meet them someday. Yeah. We could do Thanksgiving dinner at my place and then Christmas dinner at yours. That sounds so nice. Sounds like a lot. Uh, I don't know why either of us would miss one of those dinners at our own house. With our own families. That's a good point. But I was thinking we mobilize the entire family. Oh, we could do a co-family. Co-family. Co-mingling. We, I, it's funny, man. I, I enjoy when we hang out and then we talk about us hanging out. It's good. It's pretty funny. Yeah, we're, we're not just <laughs> podcast co-hosts. We're friends now. We, we hang out. Yeah, you'd have to call us friends at this point. We are excited to, to welcome the fantastic Ricky Velez later on in the pod. He's a very dear friend of Julio's. Uh, they've known each other a very long time. I had Ricky on my serious show, Barcel Breakfast, back in the day. Uh, he's been a, a great guy, and he's got some amazing projects coming out, including a movie. Um, one of the best stand-ups that I know. Uh, so we're excited to have him stick around for that. Yes, absolutely. In the meantime um we've been we've been really enjoying uh the podcast i hope you guys have been too um julio you got anything fun happening this week well dude so this just reminded me something when you mentioned that tell me some good bomb stories oh people love to hear ones? these oh i have a pretty good bomb story uh i was headlining one night at eastern connecticut state ah, university willimantic you been there? I mean, it was the heroin capital of the world for an extended period of time. Damn, I wish I'd known that. Yeah. Uh, that would have helped. Uh, <laughs> because what I endured there was, was really torturous. First of all, I'd been on the road for like three days, driving from one gig to the next. And I'd gone to uh, where the horse races are in upstate New York. Belmont? Saratoga. Oh. I had played Saratoga. And then I had done Albany. And then I had done Syracuse with Funny Bones. And then I had to drive all the way to Eastern Connecticut State University for a Sunday night gig. It was freshman orientation night. 
and this is a thoroughly dry campus so even the seniors and the juniors aren't allowed to drink there's no alcohol allowed on campus nobody drinks it's kind of a weird school and these freshmen had said goodbye to their parents only hours before for the first time in their lives so they were all very nervous and anxious and homesick and feeling weird and i was brought in to be the lighthearted entertainment for this new freshman class who'd been doing their you know in- initiations and whatever welcoming day shit all day so we walk in my opener goes up bombs and he's good and i watched and i was like fuck this is going to be hell cuz he only has to do 15 minutes i have right. to do 45 in order for us to get paid the stage is set in the back center of the room it was a huge like student center no chairs really people uh, were just yeah. like in various armchairs a lot of people were standing Kids were sitting on tables. And then there was a make-your-own-nacho stand (laughs) right in front of the stage, at the foot of the stage. And then there was a line of freshmen wrapped all the way around from the the station, all the way around the far perimeter of the room. So basically, every single person in the audience was as far away from me as they could possibly be. To hit the nacho stand. Yes. And they were lined up. flows like ketchup. And they were were so excited about these nachos. And every time they would get up to the nacho stand, I mean, first of all, picking up a handful of nacho chips, pretty noisy. Secondly. (laughs) It's it's fucking gross. It's like (laughs) reaching into a packaging peanuts. And then secondly, they were telling each other, they were advising each other on what to put on their nachos. So the kid at the cheese pump would be like, how many pumps should I do? The kid behind him. And the guy would be like, I don't know, three. And then he'd be like, throw some onions on there. Do some, you know. Fixins. Yeah, all that shit. Nobody was paying attention. So I'm up there eating fucking shit. And I started live commentary on the nacho procession. That was what I did to you cope with it. must have done well, though. Not really. Nobody was laughing. Nobody wanted me to be up there performing. So I kept looking at my watch, eking away five more minutes, you know, just decaying the time Mm. until I could step off stage, collect my check, and get the fuck out of there to get back home. It sounded like nobody was listening, though. They weren't listening. Some were, some were, but they weren't laughing. I mean, it was just, it was just fucking brutal. How about you? That's a bad, well, I want to talk about this a little bit, but I got, I got some good ones too, but yeah, that. There's some themes that are important here. So with colleges, when you're not doing a theater, you're typically in some utility room and very rarely is it set up well for comedy. I would say 90% of the time you're fighting an uphill battle. True. And like you said, you're doing 40 minutes and it's tough, man. It's really like you're in the trenches, you yeah. know what I mean? And you got to figure it out. So displacing people with food and nachos and shit that is a that's a common theme I, in a lot of these stories. Mm. Another common theme in these stories is just the fact that if you're not in a traditional venue for comedy, you're probably going to have stories like this mm-hmm. more often than you're not. I have a couple. One, I have one from a club. I don't remember what I was saying, what I was doing. There was probably like 15 people in the audience, and they were already mad about some ticket situation. Uh, and I was doing 25. I was featuring, and 
they were being really hostile to me. And all I remember is that I started to get lightheaded and I felt like I was going to faint. Ooh. They were like, you are terrible. And they were literally like 10 feet away from me. And they so were saying that to you? Were they yeah. saying shit? Yep. And it was, it was spurred on by the fact that they were unhappy with their experience to begin with. But I started sweating profusely and then I started getting lightheaded. And I started like forgetting my train of thought. I was fucking bombing, dude. Wow. That's a bad one. But then I have a, a story like what you were just saying. Um, did, you, did you end on a laugh? No. So you just said, uh, all right, that's my time. Bye. Bombing. I like, yeah, I like, and I, I definitely went short. I probably did 15 instead of 25. And I like, and the guy who was headlining was, was like t terrible. Also, I forget. This is years ago. Um, but I just remember that being like a really stressful experience. Yep. Um, and the second one, dude, listen to this. I used to be on this gig website. I think I'm still on it, but basically, you know, need comedian needed for so-and-so and so event. And I got myself into some serious situations with that. One of them was a Hanukkah party. And I didn't realize that it was for a Hasidic rabbi in his house. <laughs> so there's probably, and this isn't like a huge house. It was in Brooklyn near the park. And I go in the house and they're like, oh, like, I feel like they have like very, a very specific accent. Like those Hasidic Brooklyn Jewish people. Like they have this accent like, oh, the comedian's here. Like I, I can't do it. But so they were all, so then they all gather in the room. And they're all dressed up, you know, the way that they dress. And they're sitting on the floor looking at me. I don't have a microphone. And I don't even open my mouth. And this old woman yells out, I thought, we thought you were going to be funny. And I was like, oh, God. There's children on the floor playing with toys. You're just doing an unplugged set? 15 minutes, unplugged, in the living room, whole family in there and everybody. And it was just insane. And they were just observing me. They, weren't, they didn't laugh at a word. Crazy. That is such a crazy gig. Hundred bucks cash. And uh, then there was a lot of weird shit going on. Like this one girl told me that she hasn't always been like this, but she used to be really troubled. So she actually rolled up her sleeve to show me that she had tattoos. And she's like, not all things are what they seem. And I was like, am I getting approached? Seduced? I know. Um, oh, that would have been fun. That would have been a nice way to end that story. I know. Well, nothing happened. And then when the rabbi paid me, he said, well, you weren't very funny, but thanks for coming. You had some nice thoughts. God, like, what a dick. He's like, thanks, dude. Well, this is what you get for fucking get using gigsalad.com to get your holiday entertainment. Gigsalad.com. Fucking. I mean, it's funny, you know? My, hot, uh, my William Morris agents, the one that sent me to Eastern Connecticut State University. Uh, granted, I got paid $2,000 for that, but. Uh, I don't know. You, you, you take them. It's a hell gig. You take them. You got to do it. And, and it makes you better. 100%. And guess what? You know what? People say that. I still do it. I don't know if it makes you better. I don't know if it makes you better to lose to a nacho stand. <laughs> I'm up there. What am I getting? What am I gaining from that experience? Fucking character, bro. I guess it's like a <laughs> pilot. It's like a pilot who is in a, a dive and then pulls out of it. And then from, from knowing how to survive and that he can survive that situation, the next time it happens, you don't feel quite so bad. Good metaphor. That's very there you go. Good. Dude, very true. And also, you know, you can really call yourself a comic. Yeah. A lot of people running around there being like, I'm a comic, I'm a comic. There's some guy, it's some kid who's his third show. He's like, oh, I'm, he I'm opening for Jim Gaffigan. 
That's like the classic Bringer comic. Oh, yeah. You're on the same show. You're on a Bringer show that Jim Gaffigan dropped in. He happens to be on, and now you're saying you open for whatever. Just like those people are out there saying they're comic. You're not a comic yet. Maybe you will be. I was doing that show one like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Uh But then you got to go compete with nachos and fucking sweat it out. And P.S. You're still getting paid two thousand dollars for that. That's not that bad. No, there's much worse. That's a that's a character good buildings. All right. Hey guys, listen. I have struggled to find a good dress shirt to wear uh, my whole life because if you are an athlete and you have a beautiful body, the boxy cut bullshit off the rack stuff that you find never fits. I used to wear those like j crew slim fits and those got too small once i started lifting for real and fortunately thank god <laughs> i found a savior in the form of state and liberty shirts yeah it's a good it's a nice thing for if you're just exploding out of your shirt <laughs> yeah because you're just so fucking jacked this is a perfect shirt for you because it's a solution like francis was saying if you got you got thin waist big Big shoulders. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thin waist, but you're muscular. Good luck finding a shirt that fits you properly. And I think these shirts do that. If you look the way that humans are supposed to look, (laughs) these are the shirts for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding, though. All jokes aside, uh, these shirts are fantastic because they fit the way that I want an athletic shirt to fit. Because they are made by athletes. The guy who founded State and Liberty is this guy named Lee. He was a Michigan hockey player, total stud, gets it. Everybody in the NHL wears these shirts on the road all the time when they're traveling that they wear suits and stuff. These shirts are fucking awesome. Uh, I absolutely love them. You guys should definitely get some. Uh, Go to their website, stateandliberty.com. Use promo code OOPS right now for 10% off. Guys, you won't regret it. Seriously. They've got winter shirts, any kind of shirt you need. Redo your wardrobe. Throw everything else out and get some of these. These will be the only shirts that you want to wear. They're stretchy, but they're also tapered and slim in all the right places. Stateandliberty.com. Yeah, if you're an athlete or if you have the word gains in your vocabulary. That's right. These are the shirts for you. State and Liberty, check them out. I got another one then. I got one more. I did the... Sheriff of Bergen County, his re-election campaign fundraiser party. <laughs> what? It was in Bergen County at this uh, massive event space where they banquet hall, and it was like five hundred people, all of whom were police officers, two hundred and fifty police officers and their wives sitting at. I don't know, 30 round tables. And then there was a stage in the front and they were doing speeches to try to help the sheriff get reelected. I don't even know. I didn't know that sheriffs got elected, but I guess maybe, I don't know what it was. And they finished all the speeches and the thanks and the awards and the, the applause. And then I came on as the first comedian of the night. And uh, I had to tell everyone that a comedy show was about to start happening. And the first joke I came out and said, I said, uh, I was really nervous to perform in front of uh, you fine police officers, so many of you. Uh, but then I remembered that I'm the whitest person here, so I felt perfectly safe. 
And this was right after like Ferguson and, uh, you know, all the bad things that had happened that year. Mm. Eric Garner. And they fucking hated me. Silence. And not only did they hate me, but if you figure this, right, it's round tables. So only half the table is facing you. So oh, I'm, at, I'm looking at the backs of 50% of the room who are continuing to have conversations at their tables. Only the front 10% of people were aware that there was even a comedy show going on. And you're doing material that you know you like and it's bombing and you just feel like, oh, this is hell. So that was another hell gig. Yeah, that's bad. That one was bad. Didn't get paid for that. Mm. Dude, listen to this one. This is a, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is exactly what you meant, but a friend of ours. This, this guy, is Julio's welcome to the NFL hit as ben, prompted by Chris. <laughs> ben DeMarco, comedian. He was performing at college and he started making fun of one of the guy's girlfriends, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And this is, there's video of this. I'll show you guys. The guy comes up on stage 10 minutes later and punches him in the face and breaks his face. <laughs> and there's a video of it. He had to have his face reconstructed. Oh my god! <laughs> what happened? Why? Why did that kid get expelled? The guy. So the uh, they ended up. There was a lawsuit. There's all this shit. Yeah, it was like a crazy thing. And I don't think the guy had any money. So I think that like the settlement ended up being ineffective. Oh god, that's crazy. Well, you'd think maybe the you could sue the school at that point for not having some kind of security people on on hand. Right. You know, you could argue that. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you meant. I think that you keep thinking that you are a comic now and then you realize you never were. Yeah. And I'm sure in 10 years from now, I'm going to look back on me talking about bombing and be like, you didn't know anything. No, I think we're comics now. I think based on the amount of money, if you're, for me, it's like if you can live off comedy, then you're a comedian. Right. Right. I mean, and then, but then that's even a little gray because like I live on opportunities that were provided for me because I originally was doing comedy. Does that count? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay. If you don't have a day job, right? You're a comedian, dude. You you're on the road. You're in at clubs. You're right. a comic, man. Right. I dream in comedy. I think in shades of joke telling. What else we got? Um. Oh, right, dude. So I had mentioned this this to you earlier. A friend of mine was talking about dating, going on dates. How do you feel? About taking a girl on a first date, taking her on a free date. Okay, so you mentioned this to me, and it's important to clarify. A free date, he means you're not paying for anything. You're doing an activities-based date. Like a walk in the park or... Maybe get some coffee at some point. But yeah, walk Brooklyn Bridge. But a coffee to me is not a free date. If there's any transaction of... You being like, I got it. That's not a free date. Okay, fine, fine. Let's say it's an exclusively. But then, if what if she wants an ice cream? You just make her buy it herself for two bucks. I don't. Oh, Dude, I don't if have you to... buy her an ice cream. It's not a free date. One ice cream. Okay, can we say ten dollars and under dates? Then five dollars and under. Yeah, five dollars and under. You okay. cannot get yourself an ice cream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. getting her her ice cream cone. Whatever. This, this is Dude, I think it's great. And I'll tell you, I think, uh, I think it's cute. 
and if you can be inventive what do you what's the the alternative that you go on a very expensive date and show her that you care more about her by virtue of paying for a lot of stuff so here's the thing i think that it depends who you are i think for you if you take a girl on a free first date you catch her off guard in a very charming way potentially because what? she thinks maybe you're going to take her somewhere fancy that's what she thinks she knows that you're capable of doing that how does she know that in my opinion you give off a vibe of a guy who can take a girl on a nice date. Okay. And that, that, I don't mean that in a shitty way. I mean that you're, you're being thoughtful, but you seem like you're knowledgeable. You seem like you know about wine. I'm clothed. You're clothed. You look clean. I don't smell like the street. You <laughs> <laughs> also went to Harvard. and like yeah, Maybe they know that. Maybe they don't. If they know that, they're probably expecting me to pay for some shit. They maybe know because they know maybe they're familiar with some of your work and you, you joke about it. Yes, fine. At this point in my life, if I were single again and I were to go on a date, I think the girl would know a lot about me. There's a lot of stuff about me on the internet. So I think you going on... bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if you went on a free date, I think that that would be a power play and that you would be more likely to then have sex with this individual because of the free date. Wow. What, on the first, after the first date? After, after, the, after that first free date, you think you're more inclined to have sex? I think you'd be, have a better chance of, quote-unquote, getting laid if you were to take a girl on a free date as opposed to taking her to per se. Okay, so here's, here's my question, though. Are you saying that then I go on two more dates and then we have sex? Or after that first date, she has sex with me because it was a free first date? I think that the free first date props you up to give her such a wonderful adrenaline rush from the date and how unique it was and how unexpected it was and you swept her off your feet that you can sweep her into your bed as well. That she breaks her three-date rule. And make love to her and she'll break the three-date rule. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. You know, you know, you might be onto something. And I don't think I can necessarily pull it off because I think they'd be like, is he broke? And that's not attractive to be broke. Yeah, but, but Julio, but Julio, here's what I would say. <laughs> Here's what I would tell you. <laughs> if you get the, <laughs> what the fuck is if that? you get the right day and the right weather to walk through Central Park and around the reservoir and you are incredibly charming and interesting and you ask great questions and she thinks that, you know, you're a good listener and all of that, none of the other shit matters. They get lost in how good that date is. Right. They're not looking at the price tag at the end. No, for sure. But they also don't want to like embark maybe on a thing with, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I think you do have an interesting point of, here's what I would say. Back when I was single, if I would follow the traditional script for the early courtship period with a new woman that I'd met, where you go for a drink, and then you go on the second date for dinner. And then you go on the third date for some other thing. And then maybe you sleep with each other. Uh, it's breaking from that mold that leads to earlier sexual experiences. <laughs> right. Because, because if you stick to that script, then she is sticking to her script. Because she's like, yep, this falls in line perfectly with the rules that I have laid out for myself. He's doing this. After the first date, we'll get a kiss goodnight. 
after the second date, we'll make out. Right. Third date, I'll go home with him. You're playing her game. Yeah. And and uh, and those rules all go out the window when when something's different and and new. A hundred percent. I prefer almost to go on a date after I've spent time with somebody in a group setting first. Yeah, that's you know I mean? a, that's for sure true. Before as the well. date. What is your ideal first date? Well, dude, let me tell you this. On my first date with my girlfriend, we actually had a really not like on, I I look back on it fondly, but if you were to like add it up, it was not a great first date. Huh. Like I cried during dinner. <laughs> I, Why? Because I was telling her about my one of my best friends, and like I was just talking about him in a way that made me cry. About is Mo how okay? I, <laughs> about how I appreciated his friendship. Is he okay? What do you mean, Mo? Is he dead? Who? Mo is who? Who's Mo? Your friend? Oh no 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 one was dead no no he's alive. Who's Mo? I didn't say Mo. Why did I say Mo? <laughs> I don't know. Who's okay? Don't tell me the friend's name. That's you were telling you were telling your now girlfriend on your first date <laughs> how much I loved Mo, one of my best friends, and I began to cry. How much you loved Mo, one of your fr- best friends? We'll call him Mo, I guess. Why yes. did you call Mo again? I never did. You said Mo. Why did I hear Mo? Oh, I th- you must be saying something that sounds like Mo to me. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. All right. Hilarious. The Mo. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I just began to cry, which is insane. Then we went to drinks after and we got in a fight. First date. First date. <laughs> wow. You crazy. really laid it all bare. I know, dude. And maybe that helped you. Maybe. It's like that great scene with Matt Saracen and Julie uh, Taylor on their first date when he has to leave early. He's trying to be all suave. Did you watch Friday Night Lights? No. You must have. Chris did. And uh, he's trying to be all suave, but then his grandmother calls him, and he takes care of his grandmother, and they have to go back to his house, and he has to take care of his grandmother. And Julie had not been sold on Matt Saracen until she saw him taking care of his grandmother and how big his heart was. And that's why they ended up together. Very nice. That's really nice. That's very nice. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. I think the key to a good first date is to have options just in case something goes wrong as a guy. I always fear a moment where I take her somewhere that's either closed and then it's obvious that I was looking on Yelp. She said, let's go to drinks. You should have every avenue planned out. You should definitely go to a place that you know you can get into and that you're comfortable and familiar with. Don't go to new spots that you don't know about. The only bad first dates that I've ever had were with dates with people that I met on dating apps. Right, right. Those were the only times where three minutes into the date, I said, this you know how can you end this as quickly as and gracefully as possible because i don't want to offend people i don't want to make her feel bad but right. it's like how many drinks how much time do you need to spend before you can say eh, i gotta go bye totally no I, and i 
I feel like I will try to make it look like I'm having a great time, even if I'm not, to preserve just everybody having a pleasant time, even if it's obviously not working. Right. Which sounds like what you do as well. The worst date I've ever been on was with, I went on a date with my friend's mom. Dude, you, you've mentioned this to me before, and we have got to hear this story. It's not that great. I it's mean, so preposterous. I think the friend's mom, I don't, I don't want to like, she, I think she maybe thought I was something different than I was. That's important note. Uh, the friend was a girlfriend. Yes. And it was her mom. Yes. Um, and we went out, and I think that she thought that I was, I don't know what she thought. But I think she thought it was something different than what it was. And we went on the date and she very quickly like shut down any, she made it very clear that she wasn't interested in me. Wow. And then later I kind of had a little bit of a thing with the daughter, like years later. There you go. And that would have been fun if it had worked out with the mom. That would have been a cool story that I would have. It's like a nice little uh, Woody Allen. Oh, in Manhattan? Maneuver. No, Woody Allen himself. Uh, He married a woman and then left her. And the married the daughter. <laughs> Who was an adopted daughter, right? Yeah, I think Doesn't so. Doesn't save him, but... No, it, he's done some pretty creepy shit. I mean, dude, in the movie Manhattan, he's literally dating an underage girl in the movie. I think that was one of the things people stuck to him. Oh, really? Saying, clearly, this was, this was art imitating life. <laughs> They're and like, hello. You had a fantasy about this. I had a really bad date. Uh, I went on a date with a girl from a dating app, and I should have seen it coming. She looked so great in her pictures, but they were all bedazzled, smoky. Oh, it filtered? A lot of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> looked like she'd been emerging from a bar where a, a saloon where a gunfight had just occurred. You know? <laughs> she, the only survivor was the barmaid who uh, hell, <laughs> stayed under the bar. Said, I have to wait for this to cool off. Oh my God. Pushed the doors open out in the street, and there she was to meet me. And I swept her up onto the back of my horse, and we rode into Central Park, <laughs> where we got down, and I looked at her in the daylight, and I was like, you are not the person that I thought I would be seeing today. Mm. She did not look anything like what I had pictured her to look like. And then we walked around the park. We had a really nice time. And by that, I mean that she had a really nice time. <laughs> it was so bad. And I was like, all right, whatever, we'll be friends. But then the thing was, I was too nice to her. And she had such a good time, probably because I was way out of her league. <laughs> Not to be a dick, but that's the truth. And then, uh, and, then, and then she kept texting me and messaging me. It was very hard to, I almost had to like break up with her after one date where nothing happened. You know, it's a fucking nightmare. Now. People might get mad at me for saying that I was way out of her league. But let me add this. I have been on a couple dates with girls that were way out of my league. And I will say that I knew I was playing above the rim. And the whole time that I was on those dates, I was just praying. Like, just just let me touch your boob or something. Let me make out with you. Let me Give me some something to hold on to as a memory. A trinket. I don't expect this to go anywhere but if you could just let me know what it's like to fly with angels for one night i will be forever in your debt and how'd it go well no make out no boob touch who knows if i could i didn't even ask for a second date that was the thing i just knew she was so far out of my league so then why did you try for the first date 
I thought maybe that I could win her with some sly, sly talking that I was quick enough on my feet and witty. And that, I don't know, I was probably hopped up on the fact that I had just been hired at Barstool. I was starting to get a little bit, every, we went, I took her to a Ranger game and everybody there knew who I was and they kept coming up. People were asking me for pictures and I thought That's that great. would play in my favor, but this girl in the playing field, not for nothing. She's like a pretty successful model. Mm. So she's used to having people take pictures of her. She was aloof and was not swayed by that at all. Yeah. That's interesting, man. About, I think about dating out of your league. One thing that's important about that is if you feel like you're dating out of your league, you're fucked no matter what, because if you end up dating them, then you're just going to be stressed out the whole time about how they can, how they're too good for you. Right. Putting someone on the pedestal effectively. And you're just going to have a miserable, stressful time. You're worried that her friends are always saying like, come on, you can do better to her. Right. Or she knows she can do better. Or everybody thinks that except her. And one day she's going to realize it. And then you start being jealous and crazy. And like, that's just not a healthy dynamic. But it's not tenable either for a guy to date below his league. Right. Probably. We can be all idealistic if we want and say, well, hopefully he sees the personality. Fuck off. Right. There's you somebody need for to, everybody, though. You need to find someone who's equally hot to you. Hopefully, your personalities line up. And if you find that person, marry them. Right. Or equally not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listen, at the end of the day, once you see somebody all the time, like, the the whole thing goes away. You don't it's even, not as exciting. You don't even see them anymore. Everybody looks the same. Eventually. They're just a, a presence nearby, like a, like you're a ghost hunter. You know they're near. Yeah, you see you their feel feet. prickling up on your neck as they start talking. Someone there? Oh, it's you. I didn't even see you come in because you've got a key. I don't know why I gave it to you. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into Ricky. Ladies and gentlemen, the esteemed guest of our episode, the absolutely fantastic Ricky Velez. Ricky, thanks for being with us. Is that how fast you jump into it? Oh, yeah. Is oh, there yeah. commercials beforehand or something? Well, what's going to happen here is we'll probably <laughs> cut a lot of this because the, <laughs> the lead no one in, asked the Julio and I like to do like 20 minutes up front. Okay. But we didn't have time to record that yet, so we're going to do that after. Awesome. We wanted to value your time. Yeah, thank baby. you, by the way. Dude, thank you, man. It's it's monsooning outside. Ricky lives a couple blocks away, and he walked over here. And uh, I'm impressed. They thank you. In one piece, dude. How you doing, man? I'm okay. Yeah? I'm you got tired. some cool stuff going on. I'm busy. Yeah. Um, Everything feels really fast, but I'm okay. You know, that's that's a good thing in comedy, though, right? right. Yeah, because I, when the days are long, yeah. I mean... I That's... feel like I'm not not that busy. A little lethargic, <laughs> you might even say. Look at this whole setup you have here. How are you not busy? Francis uh, is full of shit, dude. Francis stays busy. <laughs> Francis is always doing I, stuff. I'm doing okay. I got film developed today. That's part of my busyness. Cool. Yeah. Like old old uh, photo I film. I just get I just get black and white uh uh, uh like toss away cameras like the ones oh, you throw cool. away. Yeah. You have a very artistic Instagram. Um, not really. I just keep it in black and white. Yeah, why? Why? Like, is there a reason for that? Um, I like black and white. That's cool. Yeah, That's I cool. did. I was just always a fan. Interesting. That's true, though. It feels like curated, which is a good thing. You know, it's it's hard to sort of. It's so easy to post shit 
that it's hard to post in a way that's consistent. So, Ricky, you got a lot going on. I'm all right. Can we talk about your movie? I did a movie this summer. Which that's what I'm saying. Be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh my god. What an incredible, I would hear updates from you periodically. Yeah. And everything, every time I heard from you, it got me more and more excited about it. It's cool, man. It's, it's just the coolest. What's, what's the status? Uh, any idea of when uh, we, we come out for it? June 19th. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, gonna be awesome. I've already been back and forth to LA, seeing clips of it. It looks unbelievable. It's, un it's going to be awesome. Can we? The sickest thing in the world. Talk about what the movie is. The only thing I say, so I, like I don't ever get in trouble, it's Pete Davidson's Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I like the jokes. That. I spent a lot of time with Ricky this summer, and it was fun to watch because initially Ricky is cast in this movie to play a, a significant role in the movie. If I say more than I'm supposed to, we can whatever. Yeah, we can stop. Um, but it was cool to see how every step of the way Ricky became more and more and more involved in the film to the well, point that's where just Judd, man. he's involved in everything. And now that's it's just fucking Judd. awesome, dude. Judd gave me every opportunity to be fully involved with the movie. Like, I mean, fully involved with the movie. I saw everything. I rode back and forth with him to set every day. So to like, I just took a master class this summer and it was Literally, really crazy. Yeah. That's really cool. Working really, all day, every day, weekends. The guy, the guy was working. Every was, we were going to bed at, summer. we were going to bed at 12, like, and you got to do like, you got to do like 12 hours till you're allowed to shoot next. Did you know this? So when cameras go down, like on a union set, the minute those go down, now you got 12 hours till you're allowed to restart shooting. That's a good rule. <sighs> Dude, we were getting like five hours of that sleep, though. Right. right well, hold right. on then, a second. So, and also driving an hour back from Staten Island every right, day. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Which was brutal. So, so the the night, the day of shooting would end at midnight. I feel like my posture is terrible right now. It's driving me crazy. That's what a lot of people. There we go. Doing. Wow, there's some good. Hip. I didn't know you were open like that, man. Oh, I'm open. Good dude. hips. <laughs> good hips. He's got good hips, folks. Yeah. God bless you. So the show, the shooting would end at midnight, and then you'd, you you like wouldn't... even sometimes do, dude, dude, it'd end at insane hours, any hour. It can end at any hour. And then you would have you wouldn't be allowed to go back again until the next day at noon. Yeah. That, that yeah, that seems. And then silly. we would also write. So wow. let me ask you this: What's So it's silly like Judd it? ended up making. Uh, I wrote a, a lot on it, and um, Judd, that was Judd just doing that for me, and it was so fun and awesome to do. But like at the same time, like it was like I mean, yeah, I had I worked six days a week at least. Damn, dude, you were working seven days. This is Judd Apatow, by the way, everybody. If it's unclear. Yeah, for those who don't know which Judd we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, presumably people should know at this point, but I just want to clarify. Yeah, I like I like that. I like that you call him Judd, because I call him Judd Apatow. Yeah, I guess first you can't, that is first. I mean, that if is you're what, around him that yeah. much, I feel like if I called him Judd Apatow a full summer, yeah, he hey, been Judd like, yeah. hey, <laughs> you yeah. can leave now. <laughs> I made a mistake. That's really funny. Uh, amazing! It is this Pete Davidson's Eight Mile. Yeah. You, are, you are that's a great way to put it uh, you, there's an amazing cast in it we can't reveal that although I feel like IMDB I feel reveals like it's probably in the papers Bill Burr is in it yeah Paul Verzi is in it Marissa Mike, Tomei Marissa Tomei Mike Vecchione Steve Buscemi Steve Buscemi 
uh ricky velez obviously pete davidson um yeah Derek Gaines. it was oh, wild cool. it was really cool steve, steve buscemi's the man is he yeah he's the so coolest sad, guy right? in the world i'd love to hear a little bit about him just a nice guy what an what a legend he really is. A, I like, talked to him about I pronounce you Chuck and Larry. That's the movie I was like, me and you need like, to talk about. Dude, when he plays basketball and I pronounce you Chuck and Larry, did you ever see it? I don't remember. He plays like the inspector to come that comes and makes sure they're, they're gay. gay. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point one of the kids the, is out on the street playing basketball, he's like Pass the ball, and he and he like slaps his hands, and he passes the ball, and he throws a hook shot, and it fucking it's the ugliest shot I've ever seen in my life, and the ball goes flying over the hoop, and it's just the funniest thing to me. It made me laugh for years. That was a good impression. That did sound. You could hear him saying good. it that way. I can do odd people's impressions. There's certain <laughs> people I can get. We are Oops the Podcast, a podcast yeah. about mistakes. Yeah. Fuck ups. And every time we have a comedian come on here, we say, do you have any mistakes that you want to share with us? And then they say, I don't believe in mistakes. Everything that might have been a mistake taught me something or I came out ahead because of it and I learned from it. Which I guess means that we need to rephrase the question differently. <laughs> because we don't get anywhere with that line of question. No one's allowed. Ever. Yeah. No one admits it. Everyone's like, I've uh, done no wrong. And uh, I'm infallible. What have you done that made your life shittier? Yeah. What what hurt? <laughs> this is going to be sad, man. This is about to get dark. I Our wish last I told guest... my mom to stop drinking. What would you wish? <laughs> That's great. That's a good no, place to start. Not. Our last guest started crying. Who? Wendy Starling. Same seat. Same seat. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Looped it up. And the new Barbara Walters duo. She's sweet. She started crying, but uh, of her own accord. We did not push her. Um. Yeah, way. I don't know. I wish I was probably more honest about like how I felt about situations when I was younger. How long have you been doing comedy? Since I was 19. That's crazy to yeah. start at that age. But yeah. you and some others started that early. And you started that early and immediately dove in. Uh yeah. There wasn't a flirtatious sabbatical. No, I started period. working at clubs. That's not yeah. Right. Did people look at you differently because you were so I was young? only a club comic. I I it was and to was this day to too, this to this day I still don't see bar shows because of it. The bar shows hadn't hit their stride yet. Like I don't sure. get booked on a lot of bar shows. There's like one or two I do. And it's basically knit and whatever PD Day Abrey use running. And dude, also, I think that that speaks to the fact that if you're not spending time just like hanging around those shows I hate without being on them, it's harder to kind of like be in. But mm. dude, you do, you do a bunch That was my amount. favorite thing about fucking Chappelle's special when he said, uh, I don't even like to watch comedy. That's a great, when he goes, uh, it's like, you're not fucking it right. It's like watching somebody have sex with your girl and you're like, I can do that better. <laughs> I just found out there was lead in my school. In high school, in the pipes in my, in, in my in my high school in my elementary, not even my high school. Does that make you eligible for damages? I don't know, man. Class action. I'm suit. out here searching for some answers. <laughs> Put a small little paragraph in the paper. That's that's how you found out. Yeah, man. Have you spoken? No, to I found out because somebody DM'd me from my uh, elementary school and sent it to me. 
and told you to become the voice. I mean, listen, man. Against it. Lead water tasted a little bit better. <laughs> it had more of a. I mean, I chewed on a lot of it, pencils. It had a, I remember it. I don't remember much water. <laughs> I remember lead water. I remember how it tasted. It left an impression upon you. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? Gary I've been boarding G- flights early now since I found out. <laughs> I just. <laughs> Why? Anybody need extra time? I do. I drank lead. <laughs> Let me be a part of this. Dangerous, dude. That's because that's so crazy. How you're right, though. They don't. Fifty-five talk about that schools at all. in New York City were just found with it. Fifty-five. And in Michigan, there's just still lead in all the water, right? In Flint. Flint. That's water that Bill Gates won't even go near. Did you see a lot of fights growing up? Fist fights? I saw enough. I didn't see that many fist fights. Really? I feel like you probably had to defend yourself a bunch. I got into a few. I feel like people just don't like you. That's true. We talked about this. We talked about this. Yeah. (laughs) Francis starts to step behind. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really get it. I'm. I try to be so nice to people, <laughs> and what? I don't know why everyone, everyone fucking hates me. Well, they you win people over because of that. Why does why do people hate me? Because of how I look. Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to do about that? Doesn't that seem racist to you? It seems. It, it, it sort of kind of is. I don't know if it's racist though. I don't know if it's. It's not it racist, but hating look, someone based on how they look is is the reason why we got into so many problems over the history of mankind. Yeah. You look like a winner, dude. People don't like that all the time. I've had a lot of bad shit happen to me. Yeah, you should start <laughs> telling people about it. I, I do. <laughs> I try. <laughs> but nobody believes me. Yeah. They think it's all gone well. One time it. I got the shit kicked out of me. Really? Absolutely fucking killed. Guy kicked me in the face like six times with Timberland Ooh. boots on. What? While you were yeah. on the ground? Yeah. Oh, what happened? I had to go to get emergency dental surgery had a, my orbital bone broke nose broken my gums <laughs> had hairline fractures lost these three teeth oh this was God. on christmas eve too what happened what like this why, is how christmas. did that unfold how is this not something you talk about all the time I've, that sounds I like the wrote, most scarring situation yeah, it was pretty bad i wrote the story as a blog when i was at barstool uh and that made people like me more because they were like yeah it's good to hear you you had what it was coming to you mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't fucking. Dis- I was, de- <laughs> I was trying to like break up a fight between these two other parties that were one was like I was loosely friends with, but not close with. We were at a pizza place. I thought a Waffle House. Close. It was. It was a pizza place <laughs> after the bars had closed in Portland, Maine. It was December twenty third, so it was the night before Christmas Eve, and it was two a.m. Everyone's shit faced, and uh, we're sitting. I'm sitting in the booth with these kids that I played lacrosse against in high school, our rivals. They were the kids that had gone to the private school. I went to the public school. See, you don't Surprise. need to tell this part of the story. I'm trying to this add This made layers. us hate you more. You but were doing I went to well. The public school. It was like you got beat up, you did the rest of that, and Fine. then you're like, it was the kids I played lacrosse against. That's... Cut all that. Lacrosse. Let's cut all the lacrosse <laughs> stuff. Lacrosse is a trigger word of it, hating it really you. Is. Yeah. It really <laughs> is. People hate it's lacrosse hilarious. players. And you know what else? People hate fucking golf. Nobody likes the fact that I love golf. Uh, I've been getting into it, dude. Huh? I like golf. You are? I'm not liking it. Interesting. I like it because you can smoke. It's e- it is leisurely. You can smoke weed yes. and play golf and keep up with everybody. That's true. We should go play sometime. Julio and I went out with our dates uh, to my golf course. I don't have clubs. 
Like you can rent them for free. They just right. let you have them. Cool. Yeah. It's a sick horse, dude. You'd have a good time. So I am sitting in the booth with these four guys that I knew from high school from playing nice. pickup basketball nice. with a very diverse group of people. <laughs> And uh, don't say diverse. We were all wearing. When you say diverse, it just doesn't roll. We're all off wearing hand-me-down sneakers that were too big that we fi- fashioned from <laughs> coconut husks, and um, you know, real inner-city shit with our and one mesh basketball shorts on. So we uh, <laughs> we <laughs> too much. If too- you were from the inner city, you would know you always wear your N1 basketball shorts Nobody so you don't even have to basketball. say it yeah <laughs> you wear them always you wear them as underwear you wear them as underwear what else would you be wearing you might go to swim you might go play basketball you don't True. know they are one 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 size fits all so we're you we're playing we're, we're sitting in the booth and we we ordered the pizza the pizza came and just when it was landed on the table these four girls came bustling in and they were screaming at each other I'm talking almost coming to blows themselves. I don't remember what they were fighting about. One of the guys in my booth said, oh, look, it's the Jersey Shore or something like that. The show was very popular at the time. Uh, One of the girl's boyfriends came over to our table and to his credit said something like, guys, please don't make it worse. We're just trying to get them to calm down, etc. And then another one of the idiots at the table was like, why don't you keep your dogs on a leash? And then he goes, hey, that's my girlfriend. Don't talk about her that way. And then someone else like laughed or something. And then I was not, these were not my friends. They were guys I was saying hi to because I hadn't seen them in like four or five years. And um, then that guy standing over us punched down and hit the nose going down of the guy closest to the edge of the booth and broke it. And it exploded all over the pizza that we had just gotten. We hadn't even taken our slices yet. So now there was blood all over this fresh pizza, and we were all bummed out. And we started trying to file out of the booth, which is hard, by the way. You, you got to kind of inch out of the booth in a melee. You can't, like, tackle someone inching out of a booth. Right. So Disadvantage. Then we came out, and then his three buddies came over, and they were big guys. They were lobstermen from Gorham, which... Think about the way that town sounds. I mean, that's <laughs> you don't mess. I, with... I love that you think uh, this is another thing. You just said lobstermen, like everybody knows. Well, they're just they're well, who uh, think of like Alaskan king crab. These are men, you know, <laughs> okay, like these okay. are brawny guys. They come in, they got a, they got soot in their beard. I don't know why, and uh, the sea foam. They got caked nails. You know, there's lobster flesh <laughs> under their nails. Those guys, they're all wearing boots. And they wear that shit to the so bar. those guys. Yeah. And uh, this story's way too long. <laughs> Holy shit. Why am I still talking? Why? You're right. Well, I want to get to the I'm a descriptive storyteller. So uh, they, we filed out of the booth, and we started pushing them. And we were like, hey, why did you punch our friend? And uh, then they were like, fuck you. You said some shit. And then the proprietor of the pizza joint saw that a hubbub was breaking out, and he pulled the fire alarm. And then he yelled, uh, the cops are on their way. And I remember thinking, aren't, aren't the firemen supposed to come? And, uh, <laughs> and then I walked out, and I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm not really part of this. And I walked out of the door, out to the front of the street. And the first person I saw, the, the guy who had thrown the punch, 
was standing outside there waiting. And he like saw me and he just squared up. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I, I guess I'm supposed to fight this guy. And I'd never been in a fight before. That was the first one. And I you went at him. You were in a fight. You were pummeled. I, yeah, I went at him. You were not Did you fight. square up too? I went at him. Yeah, I went at him. But I went at him like, you know, almost like pinwheeling fists. And I, he just punched me in the face, knocked me down. <laughs> and then he got on my back. And I was on my hands and knees. And he got on my back, uh, straddled me, and started punching around my face. And I couldn't put my hands up to protect myself because I was in like a downward dog position. And... He punched me like four times in the face and then he got off me and I was so dazed and I'm still on my hands and knees and then he kicked me in the face. Oh my God. And that God. was when I was like, I'm in really bad trouble here. This you didn't really even bad. do anything. That's crazy. Like, you just, didn't deserve my that. My face was like hamburger. Jesus, meat, dude. dude. That guy's got to be in jail by now. Yeah. So yeah. He, he's. <laughs> you didn't do anything. You guys are just eating pizza. Yeah, but they didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know that I wasn't part of their group, you right. know? He thought that we were the antagonists. When I when they finally helped me up, by the way, the guy who attacked me Did you sue him? Was the one who helped me up. Did you sue him? No. I never knew who they were. No one got anything of this. No, and and and, and our side in a way was because they had all paired off with other guys on his team. And when I was finally brought up and helped up woozily, I looked around. And everyone else had tied. You need to tell this story more, man. This is a good story. It's a good one. Uh, it makes me feel. Ago, it was, makes me feel bad for you. Like, I was it makes like, me like, I feel really bummed for you. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Well, the worst. You know part, what? You know what it felt like. You ever watch Remember the Titans? Yes. You know the white kid that like gets hit in the yes. car. Yes. You're mm -hmm. the white kid that never got in the car accident. Right. Except where's your car accident? Dude? Everyone else at the table was white too. I was not standing up for civil rights. I wish that I had been, but they played lacrosse. <laughs> Fuckers. Dude, I love the way you tell the story where the blood got on the pizza and everyone bummed out. Yeah. That just sounds like, oh, man. Well, I, I remember that being. <laughs> oh, dang. I, I was oh, more angry man, about rats. that. I was more angry about that than I was about the kid being punched. Again, I wasn't that close to him, and I was really excited to eat some pizza because we were all drunk. And uh, that I was like, fuck, we can't eat that anymore. That's spoiled. <laughs> Very spoiled. That's marred pizza. That's a marred pie. And uh, go get this. We went back to my friend Hillman's house. We were sleeping there. You we were didn't all go to the hospital. Not that night. No. And we were all, I was so fucked up that I didn't really like feel anything. But I could see my like teeth were gone. And I was like, <laughs> my face was streaming blood. And we were all fucked up. We were like rehashing the fight. Me and my other friends. Not the kids that I'd fought with. They all got in a, They all took the kid who got punched in the nose. They took him to the hospital because his nose was pouring blood. Jesus, dude. Dude, it just sounds like you have really bad friends. Yeah, well, my friends were all... <laughs> like, your friends should have been bringing you to a hospital. They should have been. Right. You were drunk, your blood was thin, and you were losing a lot of blood. Yes. And yes. your teeth were gone. <laughs> I woke up. We went to bed. I woke up in the morning, and I had swallowed so much blood in my mouth overnight that I ran to the toilet and threw up all this blood. And then I, I took a cab home to my house, and I walked in, and now it's Christmas Eve, and it's 7 in the morning. And my mom opens the door and looks at me and was just like, oh, my God, what happened?
And that's when we went to the hospital. And that's when you're like, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. (laughs) 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 That was really good. Really good, Julio. Thank you. Wow. Have you been sitting on that? (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Do you have any good fight stories, Ricky? No, they're all bad. Once you get old enough, it's like, I was such a dick. Like. They're just bad. Like, there's really no reason for it. Like, when I even feel that energy anymore, I'm out of the situation. Smart. Like, I will walk away from, like, all... Like, even if I'm at a bar and I just feel like... I just get myself out of it as fast as possible. There's nothing, like... Dude, you have a built-in radar. I've noticed this about Ricky. It's incredible. Ricky can detect a questionable person or situation or trouble... From blocks away, he just senses it, and then he tells me. He'll alert me. Even if we're driving together, he'll be like, that's a cop. And this guy's like a mile away. And then every time he's right. It's actually insane. He's aware. A lot of criminals have that, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Well, Well, that's it. I mean, that's growth you know, to be able to walk away and know that it's not worth your time. Well, it's also like I've broken my hand. Oh, yeah. It's like, I've like, so like, why, why redo that? Sucks. The, no, fights. You, you see fights in movies and guys go back and forth. They get punched in the face and they make that sound. And it's like, that's not what happens in real life. You get punched once in the fucking <laughs> mouth and nose. And you're like, that's it. It's, I'm fucking, I'm miserable. You don't take punches. I don't like being punched in the face. I've been punched in the face three times in my life. Kicked in the face. I got my nose broken. That was the worst that ever happened to me. And what was bad about it was I, like, one day I woke up and I didn't, like, go to the doctor for a broken nose. I just kept it. And uh, I looked at my nose and it looked like I had a bunch of blackheads. Like more than I've ever. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Then when I squeezed it out. It was dried blood uh, that had seeped into my fucking pores. Uh, it was insane. Huh. Julio, that, they broke oh, uh, my my. Uh, I had two black eyes, a broken nose, and they hit me in my head with my own phone. That's crazy. <laughs> Did it break? Remember when next tells were hot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a silver phone, but it wasn't a Nextel. And this kid, this group of kids came up on me. Uh, they went to Martin Van Buren in my neighborhood. And they were like, uh, run your Nextel because I was on it. I was like, I ain't got a Nextel. Don't worry about it. And like, if it's not a Nextel, they can't switch out the SIM card. So they, they, they didn't even fucking want it. I was like, I don't got a Nextel. Da, da, and I kept walking. And the guy swung me around and just started beating the shit no out of me. Way, dude. And then when they, he grabbed my phone and saw what it was when I was when I was on the ground, he threw it and hit me in the head with it. I was like, "Oh damn!" I had like a cell phone mark in my head. <laughs> like, my mom was like, "What was that from?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> that's dude. That sucks. Like when you don't even have the thing they want. They beat your ass already, and then they continue to beat your ass with the thing that they didn't want. <laughs> and they maybe even break it. That sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that. 
You got any fight stories, Julio? I got my ass kicked once. I was uh, <laughs> here. We go. I, I was in the bathroom. Story. Tennis player. How privileged, right? No wonder. I love this, but you know, no. But... I was in the bathroom of a Look bar. Look how he relates. This is, dude. All right, so I'm in the bathroom of a bar, and uh, the bathroom attendant was playing music, mm. and it was like Jay Z or something. I was drunk. I was probably 22 or something, and we're discussing. And the the bouncer was in the bathroom as well, and he made an opinion about whatever track we were listening to. I disagreed. I was probably rude about it. I was like, dude, that's stupid. What you're saying. <laughs> the guy walks out of the bathroom. He must have thought about it for a moment because then he came back in the bathroom and grabbed me by the throat with one arm. Then took me down a back staircase. This is at the bar Fiddlesticks. In oh, Javi. yeah. Yeah. Takes me down the stairs and starts uppercutting me in the face. <gasps> uppercutting me in the face probably four or five times. Throws me in the street. I immediately walk up to the door and I say, this guy just did that to me. My father is a prominent attorney. That's a complete lie. <laughs> you got to uh, go senator, by I'm, the way. What are you, <laughs> attorney? I should have said senator. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to sue the shit out of you guys. I'm just being an asshole. I probably deserve to get punched. Maybe not six times, but I'm being a dick about it. So they're like, we're so sorry. And they get the guy to come apologize to me. He starts apologizing. And in the middle of his apology, he goes, fuck this. I quit. He said that. Took his earpiece out, threw it on the ground, proceeds to say, I am a hood N-word. I will find you and I will stomp you out. And he disappeared into the night. I did not press charges. <laughs> Didn't say another word. I went to work on Monday and my boss went, you're not in Boston anymore, Gallerati. <laughs> <laughs> Got my ass beat, dude. That's a great story. He told so much faster than I did. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, real bad. Man. But I, I would love to hear what you really said in the bathroom. I, I think I just told him that his opinion was stupid about somebody being a better rapper than someone else. <laughs> I really hope it was as like clear as your opinion is stupid, sir. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been that bad. <laughs> this is the point, dude. I was wearing like print t-shirts and a necklace that had a guitar pick on it <laughs> outside of my v-neck shirt it was a weird phase for me it was the tail end of it mm -hmm. and i think it may have even ended with that that was the the button right there it's getting socked damn uh there is one thing that he said that they said to you that's your boss saying you're not in boston anymore boston is a place where i have seen more fights go down than in any other city I've ever been. To. Oh, really? Dude, People and I'll tell out. you yeah. exactly why. Because yeah, I had four years in college there, going out in Boston, right? There's a ton of colleges. There's 39 colleges in Boston. Like and half, half the for one, the bars close at 2 a.m., which is early by New York standards. Uh, they often do last call at like 1.30. And this means that everybody drinking... Um, Everybody drinking drinks really fast. And oh, yeah, L.A. has that. But yeah. I like it because you, you're not that hungover in the morning. Right. Now, right. As, really nice. as, as an adult, you, it's nice because you're not out till 4 a.m. But when you're, when you're 19 and 20 and 21, you drink as fast as you can to try to like get as much drinks in before last call. The result is when the bars close and you spill out into the street, You've done this accelerated fuck up, uh, you know, ramp, 
And the other part of it is there are so few women in Boston. The ratio of men to women is every bar is a crazy sausage fest. So guys go out. They inevitably fail to find a girl that they want to go home with. And they're super ramped up on fucking uh, alcohol and testosterone. And they just end up fighting each other. It happens every night. In Boston. That's an interesting theory. There are fights outside of all these bars. We used to get in fights in, in college. We used to go fight the BC kids. Yeah. We just fight other colleges. What a dumb idea that was. That was stupid. We, went, we, we found out about these ticketed parties. Bars, they would do like, uh, they would do, you know, you'd have to have a ticket, an invitation that had a little, it was like a little laminated ticket with a stamp on it. If you had one of those, you could get in. And we had this printing company in Cambridge. And we would go with a picture of what the tickets looked like to these BC parties. And we would have them reproduce the tickets. And they would cut them up in the laminate for, you know, four bucks. And then you'd go. And it was like open bar for whatever reason. And we would go. And then 15 of us dudes, they would realize we weren't BC kids. And then the dudes at the BC party would try to kick us out and then we would just go outside and fight them. That's outrageous. I was at a fight once. This is one of my favorite fight stories of all time. I remember the kid's name too. I still fucking, uh, it, it was the sickest thing I ever said. But we used to drink at these things called the Tunnels in Douglaston. All right, and Douglaston was the nice neighborhood. It's the neighborhood that borderlines Great Neck. So all the rich kids from Great Neck would come over and it was whatever. And this kid from Great Neck South came over and he was talking all this shit, and finally he pissed off my boy, and my boy lit him up. I love that. <laughs> lit him up. Like, it was just like, it was like, you shouldn't even have come out tonight. Like, what were you doing? Next thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, this kid comes back with his dad, and the dad pushes my homie's hat off his head while, like, getting in his face. And his dad got his ass beat too. <laughs> I wish I could say his name, but yo, my boy had a lisp. My boy that beat him up had a lisp, and he like, I'ma fuck this dude up. And bro, he fucking beat the shit out of this dad from Great Neck. And then the dad was like, I'm calling the police. It was the saddest thing I ever seen in my entire life. Oh man. I just picture that kid who I picture that kid and his dad both deserving to get their ass beat though. Yeah, but I mean like you go home and get your dad. It was it was the worst thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I think that it was bad. one of the worst things I've ever seen. I in my can't imagine life. many things more traumatic to me than getting punched in the face, going to fetch my dad for help, bringing him to the scene of the fight and then watching him get his shit kicked in and then the two of you by the same guy hobbling back to your house together and the kid got a lisp a defeated he's talking lineage. shit with a lisp dude, like at that he's point, talking shit with a lisp dude does your does your Everybody's boy like, are point, there any more generations <laughs> yeah dude your boy at that point is allowed to go over that kid's house go get your grandfather <laughs> yeah Hilarious. All right, dude, is that, that should be the rule. If you beat up a kid and his dad, you should be allowed to bang the kid's mom. Yeah, just go, 
<laughs> just walk in the house and at any time you just get a key to the front door and you get to come over and fuck mom. Sorry. Sorry, uh, dude. This is well. how it works in the wild. Um, you gonna run? Yeah, man. I'm going to the preseason Knicks game, man. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> going Absolutely. to see my Knicks. Where can we find you? Where Paul? can we find you? What do you got Ricky coming Velez. up? Ricky Velez. I, uh, I have everything and nothing coming up. I am going to be back home in December in New York, so I'll be doing a bunch of spots around here down at the cellar and whatnot. Um, and yeah, just that. Hell yeah. A lot of road, but yeah, Arizona. I'm going to be there. Nice. Where, where? Where can we find tickets for that? Do you Just want? Type in Ricky Velez oh. in Arizona and it'll probably pop up. <laughs> Google. Google mofos. That's fire. Uh, thanks so much, Ricky, for coming in. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Thank we'll, you for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. Shit. All right. You know where to find us. Oops the podcast. That's right. Oops the pod. At Oops the podcast on Twitter, Instagram. Email us some of your mistakes. Fight stories. We would love to hear them. Uh, Oops the podcast at gmail.com. Julio, where can we find you? Not Julio. Uh, I'm around the city, New York Comedy Festival, Fat Baby, November 9th. Come check it out. Oh, yeah. And I am at Francis C.C. Ellis. Uh, go to FrancisEllis.com slash shows. I am at Gotham Comedy Club, November 22nd and 23rd. Come out.